We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 15th, 2015. And uh, just to start out, to give you a little update regarding um, the Ken Hovind situation. Uh, and I did go down there, and I'll kind of get into that in, in a little bit. Um, but just to give you some current updates on the situation, uh, what ended up happening is the jury deadlocked against the Ken Hovind, um, at least three out of the four counts. Uh, this is from Eric Hovind, his son, and he says, This morning at 10.30, the jury concluded their deliberation. Around 11.15, the verdict was read before the court. Four counts were brought against Ken Hovind, three counts of mail fraud and one count of criminal contempt of court. Count one, conspiracy to commit mail fraud. They were unable to come to a verdict. Count two, mail fraud, unable to come to a verdict. Count three, criminal contempt of court. That one he was found guilty on. According to the Pensacola News Journal, years ago, Hovind had been prohibited under a court order not to contest the government's lien on the properties. Okay, because they put liens on his properties that they had taken, and when that was settled, they said, don't contest this. This is part of the thing. So this is why he was found guilty on the criminal contempt of court, because he's contested them quite a few times, and then the Liz Pendens, uh, which says, because he did file papers, including what they call a Liz Pendens, which really means nothing more than litigation pending. It's what that means. Um, it's a notice. It's not something where you're trying to say, I own this. You're noticing somebody that the that this property, there's litigation pending. So they noticed, I guess, the owners of, the current owners of the property, that the litigation was still pending, um, even after it had been settled. So this warns potential buyers that the land is under dispute. He was... Because of this, he was charged with contempt. The mail fraud charges were for actually mailing the documents from prison, these Liz pendants. So this is the one county he was found guilty on. Now, count number four, mail fraud, they were unable to come to a verdict. So the jury was unconvinced that Hovind and the ministry trustee, Paul Hansen, had sought to defraud the government by mailing the documents. As they deadlocked, they could not come to an agreement on three of the four charges against Ken Hovind. The uh, evolutionary foe was declared guilty of one of only one contempt charge while supporters are disappointed that the jury declared Hoven guilty of any and all any of the charges at all they state that they are thankful for the outcome for the most part uh, Rudy Davis who's been his main kind of guy in the trenches advocating for him uh, said I think the Lord God Almighty worked there in a mighty way here, uh, they threw their best lawyers. They had five days of prosecution. They read hundreds of documents, hundreds of emails, voicemails that they had sequestered, everything they could throw at the man, which is true. Uh, they, I mean, they basically, he basically had an IRS agent for the last, you know, whatever, eight years or, or whatever, um, Scott Schneider basically reading every correspondence and listening to every phone call. Uh, and just trying to get anything they could possibly get against him. U.S. prosecutors Tiffany Eggers, who she was the um, the little witch that was the main prosecutor. Oh, was she evil? I was in the courtroom. I mean, I was right there near. I mean, this woman was so evil. 
I mean, wow. I, I, I mean, I guess it was a good thing that she rode a broom to work because she could get to her COVID meetings really quick that way. It is all I could really come to the conclusion of. I mean, this woman was just evil, okay? Um, wow. I mean, to me, she appeared to be the most evil one of the lot, even more than the, than the main judge, Judge Rogers, who I think kind of Judge Rogers was trying to kind of give off the veneer of I'm not a bad person. Listen, I'm trying to be reasonable. I've I'm letting Ken Hovind say a whole lot more than I would normally let him say. And from the standpoint of what was actually relating to this actual case, I guess in a way she did let him say quite a bit on the day he spoke even though he wanted to speak for like probably basically he said weeks. He wanted to read every single document that had been filed. The problem was is when it comes to this case she was only going to let him read things that pertained to the charges in this case. He wanted to read like everything going way back from the very beginning. And I understand why he wanted to read that stuff. Um, but she wasn't going to permit that. But at the same time, she was like, kind of tried to come off as like the good guy. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm impartial and all of this other stuff, which I don't buy for a minute. Okay. So the three, the three main people in this trifecta of evil were Prosecutor Tiffany Edgars, IRS agent Scott Schneider, and Judge Rogers are behind the charges filed against Ken Hovind. Really, they, you could see that they were working together in order to really get all of these charges to stick. And it really was them working together. And you could tell they were all on the same team. And it shouldn't be that way with a judge. You know, supposedly they're, you know, the scales of justice or whatever lady justice or whatever is blind or whatever and it wasn't that way whatsoever um originally doctor the good doctor rebecca horton of pensacola christian college um was um, more than likely awarded handsomely by the irs for falsely accusing ken hoven and reporting hoven to the irs so evidently she had a lot to do with all of this because evidently pensacola christian college is like right next to ken hoven's Creation Science Evangelism, Dr. Dino, whole uh, little complex there. They're, they're right near there. And I guess that they, Pensacola Christian College, um, being the wonderful Christians that they are, they wanted to make sure that Ken Hoven was taken down because evidently they didn't like the way he was, whatever, conducting himself. Um, <clears throat> because he wasn't fully given over, given in, I guess, uh, to Big Brother. I, I don't know. But... Yeah, so good old Dr. Rebecca Horton, you might want to pray for of Pensacola Christian College, uh, was had a lot to do with evidently this thing getting started. The criminal contempt of court count contained two different charges. One charge was from 2012 order, and the other was from a 2007 ruling from Judge Rogers. Uh, Kent was not found guilty on the 2012 charge, but was found guilty on the 2007 charge. The count was from the original 2007 case when Judge Rogers forfeited Ken Hovind's interest in the property. So they wanted all this money from him because of this structuring thing, which I got into last week. Um, him making cash withdrawals on a weekly basis to pay bills under $10,000, um, which is totally legal, but the IRS just said, no, no, you're, you can't do that. Essentially, this is where this whole thing started. And... Um, 
the this this guilty charge, uh, the count was from 2007 case when Judge Rogers forfeited Ken Hovind's interest in the prosper, property, which is what he's been trying to get back since then. The order did not restrict Kent from presenting filings to question this decision. Therefore, Kent's attorney asked the judge to rule that there were not enough facts presented to the jury to find Kent's guilty of that verdict. So they're they're trying to what they're trying to do and appealing for is um, for the judge to have leniency. And I'm going to get into that in a second. Uh, the judge said that she would take that under advisement. Now, Ken Hovind's been a tremendous thorn in their side, much like my dad was when he was in this court battle to get his company back. He wasn't in a battle with the IRS, but he was in a battle with this ultra-rich um, family in Minnesota, evidently the fifth, fifth richest family in Minnesota, probably the Illuminati family, and um, he became a tremendous thorn in their side because they, this is how they conducted business. They would go around basically steal people's ideas and companies and patents and stuff like that. Um, when you're dealing with somebody and you become a thorn in their side, and if they're evil especially, the one thing about this is that it would be a miracle if she didn't absolutely try to give him the maximum for the one count he's been found guilty on. Because they took four bites at the apples with these four counts and only one stuck. So sentencing isn't until June 12th of 2015. So he's going to be in prison at least up until that point. But supposedly in this interim time period, she's going to be taking, um, I guess, looking at sentencing guidelines and, and, and things of this nature. Um, but considering how much animosity, how much of a thorn he's been in their side, how long this is drug out, how defiant in their eyes he's been uh, to the court systems that have already ruled on these things, it would be a miracle that he didn't get the maximum sentence for this. Um, and I'm going to get more into my own take on it in, in a minute. Uh, let's go further. So let's see here. Thomas Keith Kent's attorney said that he only had it. He only had a public defender defending him at this point. I think all their money's been pretty much exhausted. Uh, Thomas Keith, or maybe not. I, I, I don't. I'm not 100% sure what their monetary situation is, but I know I'm sure it was greatly depleted. Thomas Keith Kent's attorney said that in a federal case, it is rare to see anything other than a guilty verdict. While he would still like the judge to find that there was not enough evidence presented on the contempt of court charge and overturn the verdict, this is considered a huge success. On the one guilty charge, if Judge Rogers does not overturn it, here's the, here's the deal. There is no limit to the penalty that she can impose. Now, there are sentencing guidelines, but supposedly here, and I've heard this on more than one occasion, there's no limit on this contempt of court case that she can impose. So... You know, that is really, really heavy duty there, potentially. So even though he might have got out of uh, three out of four, this one might be all that's needed to keep him in jail the rest of his life. So 
that's so he says please pray that she would show leniency during the sentencing and the sentencing again is on june 12 2015 um and i'm gonna read this and then i'll get into kind of my my take on everything this is what we need to do now a message from eric hoven attention it is urgent to take an action now please do the following immediately and all of this is on the PDF for March 15, 2015. Sign the petition for unconditional pardon for Ken Hoven and Paul Hansen. There's a petition at whitehouse.gov. Um, write and send a personalized letter to Judge Rogers in care of the public defender, Thomas Keith. Uh, um, please maintain your Christian testimony. And then it, says, it gives you outlines of, of what you want to address. And then it gives you an address. You can do all that. Email Facebook, Twitter, and write to Mayor Ashton J. Hayward of Pensacola, Florida to pardon Ken Hoven. Write Ashton J. Hayward on a daily basis to please pardon Ken Hoven. These are all the links on how to do that. Write a personalized letter to Mass Mayor Ashton J. Hayward. Uh, continue praying earnestly. Kent's attorney is attempting to get Ken out of jail and back into the federal facility because he's in a public jail right now. I guess federal facilities are a lot better. And that the government will not continue to pursue the three counts that the jury was unable to come to a verdict on, which is a possibility. Now, going back to my take on the whole thing, I went down there, um, struggled like crazy to get the teaching up that I did on Sunday to get it done. I got it up, I think, Sunday night. But then I had a whole bunch of things I had to get done Monday morning. I got out of here probably around 11, drove there. Uh, it's a really long drive for him. It's a good 10 plus hours. I mean, by stop, stopping to get gas and stuff like that. Um, got down there and then, you know, checked in my hotel, went out early the next morning and um, saw Pastor Adams there and uh, got to visit with, with Pastor Adams and some of the, um, the uh, congregates from his church and got to see some people I hadn't seen in a while. So that was really cool. Uh, that was awesome. And then basically sat in the courtroom the whole day we we were outside kind of um the, a lot of people had the signs and stuff and um made up there was there were um a lot of different types of christians there that came to support him and then basically when they started letting people in around eight we'd get in line to go in there you know it's like getting on a plane probably without a tsa body scanner it's metal detector and all that stuff so you had to go through all that and you get up into the courtroom and it was pretty much um the, the courtroom you know they took up the whole they took away the whole first front row the security there so it kind of limited the space because that was a lot of space and um it was a pretty small in a way place where people could sit and they, they probably maybe had that courtroom for that reason because they wanted to limit the amount of supporters that's my opinion that could be there. And the first day I sat really right behind kind of Ken Hoven. I was probably about 10 feet away from him. And um, his co-defendant, Paul Hansen, and then there, Ken Hoven's public public defender and Paul Hansen's, uh, I believe he had an attorney, I think. I'm pretty sure he was a real attorney. And um, Paul Hansen, I believe, was the guy in charge of the trusts that were coming into question, had a lot to do with this case. And he got convicted on man i think one or two counts as well and um so that's another thing to pray about as well and then the prosecution was on you know the right hand side and um then the jury was on the right hand side and so 
was basically just sitting in the courtroom and listening. I was, the first day was mostly uh, Ken Hoven, Brother Hoven going over a lot of stuff, but a lot of what he was getting into was stuff he wanted to get off his chest that had been maybe pent up for you know all of these years and um, um, but it didn't necessarily pertain to the case so the judge kind of let him go into a lot of this stuff and ha he had his attorney asking him these questions this public defender but there was there came a point where she just cut him off she's like listen this doesn't pertain to the case I'm not gonna allow you to continue with this line of things and and a lot of it you know the, the problem that you run into is the first case was the first case and in the court's eyes that's a done deal you know and you know you're rehashing all of these things that have already been ruled upon and this is what Ken has been doing for a lot of these years is he has sent in all of these filings over and over again different paperwork and different things to try to and they had it all listed and almost everything he's doing is based on some different quote patriot argument um i mean and he had some really really wild stuff i love the man okay i love him i drove all the way down there to 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 go do this but this was like for me deja vu with my parents um when my parents got their company stolen from them back in man I don't know, 99, around there. Um, it was, they were they, they went with all these different, the, the first one I think was right way law, I don't know, it was, should have been called wrong way law, and all of these patriot arguments, and whether you want to call, you get into redemption or straw man or jurisdictional issues or the gold fringe on the flag or the social security number or I mean, there's so many different of these patriot arguments. And you know what? There may be validity to every bit of it. Okay? And I've been there, done it. I have so been down this road, even myself personally, but not to the extent my parents were. They tried to use all those arguments to get their company back. But you know what? Here's the bottom line with all the patriot argument stuff. If the wicked, evil government that you're going against won't recognize it, and will label you as a kook. All you're doing is enabling them to rule against you. And this is what has happened, I believe, to Ken Hovind all of these years. And what it does is it not only gives them a lot of ammunition, because they can bring up all of these things, like he had this one thing where it was like, he said he was like, I don't know, sovereign citizen of must or something. And it was like, it, it just really made, it kind of discredited him, I would imagine. Um, maybe in the end it kind of helped him because the jury looked at him like an, like somebody that was kind of like uneducated, took a lot of people's advice. They gave him a lot of bad advice, wasn't using really an attorney and, and basically didn't know what he was doing. And therefore he can't really be held, have that held against him because he was just taking the advice of probably a lot of well-intentioned patriot groups and he went from from what i can gather he went from one patriot group to another to another to another and took their advice they did filings for him they did all kind of work for him probably hundreds of thousands of dollars i would imagine in work in filings in paperwork and you know what none of it 
came to anything. Not one thing it appears that he has done since this all started, going back to the first court case until now, has done anything but backfire on him. And he said that on the stand. He said, nothing that I've done has worked. Not one thing. And it's like, you have to understand, you're dealing with Satan. Even if there is validity, and even if you sincerely believe in what you're doing, if the court system, which you're going into, okay, which you're putting yourself under, doesn't recognize that, then everything you're doing is for nothing but for you to waste a tremendous amount of time and hassle and possibly get convicted even further of further charges, like filing these Liz pendants. You know, he said he went into this New Hampshire prison and the guy that he met there, this Alex guy, he was a Muslim who was in there for bank fraud. He said this guy was a, quote, answer to prayer over and over again. Well, this is the guy that helped him file the Liz pendants that got him in all this hot water, which was the main reason that got him in this hot water, which was the one count that stuck dealing with this litigation. Basically, um, so, I, you know, some unsaved guy who was convicted of bank fraud, filing these Liz pendants, helping him do this, and he's an answer to prayer? He would be out walking the streets now had he not done those. Okay, so again, I love Ken Hoven. Okay, I do. But this is a subject that I have a lot of experience with. And I've seen many, many people, whether it's dealing with the IRS, whether it's just trying to deal with things in the court system, I have never seen one of these Patriot arguments work. I'm not saying there hasn't been instances where they've worked. I just personally haven't. And I've been and been exposed to people that were fighting the IRS and in the Patriot organizations, and from every single instance that I can really remember of people that we've dealt with, some of them are still functioning, I believe. The ones that kind of, I don't know, try to operate more within the legal system. The ones that are really, really fringe and the ones that just come out, they're either all in jail or, they, or, or they've all been long since by the wayside. I mean, it's been... I can't tell you how many organizations I've seen come and go since I've been exposed to this movement, since I've seen what happened with my parents, and then I'm in this courtroom with Ken Hovind, and I'm hearing all the stuff he's bringing up, and I'm like, oh my word, this is like deja vu. No wonder that, you know, all of this stuff is, is, has went down and he hasn't been able to get any kind of remedy or satisfaction because he's just, he's just so went about it the wrong way as far as I could see. It's not, it doesn't even matter if it's valid. It doesn't matter if he's right. If, if, if big brother government is not going to recognize your argument and they never do on these things, from my experience, then what good is it going to do you? All you're giving the, the prosecuting side is a, is fodder to make them to make them make you look like you're a fool, and that's what they tried to do. Honestly, when I heard the prosecuting attorneys when she went over everything at the end, I thought 
for sure he was going to get convicted on all four counts because she went through and she had a PowerPoint presentation and she had audio clips of him talking from prison and she had letters that he had sent or emails or things like this where she highlighted everything. I kind of thought that unless God intervenes, and he must have, he had to have, he was going to get, and him and Paul Hanson were going to get convicted on every single account. I didn't think they had a chance unless God intervened. And he did. He only got convicted on one. That in and of itself was a huge gift from God. Now, the next thing is to pray about him not, um, him not being sentenced to some lengthy sentence, hopefully just to get out of prison. I just hope to God if he's let out that he doesn't continue to file these frivolous patriot argument lawsuits because there is not a snowball's chance in hell of him getting this stuff back at this point. Number one, he's doing he's a Christian, okay? IRS has targeted Christians. Number two, he's going against the IRS, okay? And Three, he's using all these patriot arguments. And four, he's been a thorn in their side. They cannot let him be some stellar, shining example of how all of this stuff works so well. They have to make an example of him. Okay? I understand God can intervene. And he did. I truly believe he did. The prayer, the fasting, the people coming there to support is, is I really believe, um, the mercy of God why he didn't get convicted on all four counts because i i really think they proved that they had a case on those four counts i mean it doesn't mean i agree with the prosecution but i know how the court systems operate and i know the patriot arguments don't work i'm trying to remove my emotion from this i'm trying to look at this objectively and not just say ken hoven was railroaded and this and that ken hoven there's a lot of stuff he did with these patriot filings that really put him in the hot water that he's in right now. He tried this the first trial and got convicted on like 53 out of the 53 counts or whatever it was. It didn't work the first time and it's not going to work the second time and it didn't and it wound him up in all this hot water. And again, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. So for me, it was somewhat exasperating. Um, I was extremely grateful when I heard the verdict. Extremely. Um, I want to see the man out of prison. I just hope that he doesn't turn around and start, you know, right up again and then gets thrown right back in prison. You know, I don't know. He's, he's adamant. He's adamant. He thinks he's done nothing wrong with any of these filings he, th he thinks everything that he's done has been and nothing's worked and it's failed every time and that's another admission out of his mouth uh, you know i have a different take on it than probably maybe uh, some of the other people i also have a pretty big perspective on this particular subject last time i ever talked to ken hoven was on the phone was was kind of right before this all went down Probably, I don't know, 2004 or whatever. And I can remember right before we hung up the phone that he said, we were talking about the IRS a little bit, and he says, oh, they're nothing. 
and he told Pastor Adams the same thing when he had a conversation from what I can from what Pastor Adams relayed to me. And I hung up the phone and had a really bad feeling. And I didn't want to say anything to him because I don't want to be disrespectful. But I thought, oh, Brother Kent, you don't understand. They're they're not nothing. They're pure evil. They are pure evil. And you don't know. And again, if you think that the IRS, the money you're paying into that, goes to run in this country, it doesn't. The Grace Commission that Reagan sanctioned back in the 80s determined that not one dime of what we pay to the IRS for goes to run in this country. Not one dime. There's tons of other ways that we're taxed that does that. I think there was some underestimation there. Underestimating your opponent. Not understanding what they're capable of. Not understanding how corrupt the court systems are. I mean, look at what they did to the guy. They removed him 23 times in his course when he's been in prison these, what, eight years or so. 20, or he's been in there 100 months. 23 times. That's basically kind of a watered-down version of what we would refer, refer to as diesel therapy. Which I know somebody personally they did this to and almost killed them. Where they put you in a bus and they just send you a different prison and they keep you shackled in the bus. You get there at midnight and then they take you out. They let you sleep for a few hours and they put you right back on the bus and, they get, and they're trying to kill you. Now, I think he had a, some of that from an intense perspective done to him. But they did it kind of more spread out over like this 100 month period. And a lot of the times that was so that they would take him, get him out of there, and he wasn't able to gather his things up or take his things with him like when he left from South Carolina and he had a huge box of his legal documents that he couldn't take with him and he, he didn't even get those until like, I don't know how many months later. I don't know, it was almost two years, I think. Well, they're doing that on purpose. They are trying to throw monkey wrenches into what he's doing. And it, yes, it is illegal. It's, I mean, there was a lot of travesties committed against him. He kept filing these Patriot argument suits thinking that they're going to work and really what it was doing is taking a stick and just ramming it into the hornet's nest over and over and over again. And they're gonna, they're, they're like, okay, well, we're going to make your life really miserable. You're trying to make ours. We're going to come back at you. So anyway, I, I just wanted to kind of go over that and you know, that's my take. There might be people say, oh, you were getting, no, I'm not. I'm not against Ken Hoven. I love the man. I love him in Christ. I do. I truly do. But I also love him enough to tell him the truth. You know? And there's other people that other, I believe, pastors out there and think that, that also tried to, I'm not going to mention any names, but they tried to kind of steer him in the right direction when this was all brewing way back. And he kind of went his own way, did his own thing, used the Patriot argument, and, and has just been emphatic that that is the way that he is going to pursue it. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. And all this is as further evidence it doesn't work. They won't recognize it. Even if you're right, it, it doesn't matter if, if, if the court system won't recognize it. And then they're going to go to the jury and say, what is this guy? <laughs> He's some kind of crazy man. What, what is this?
and they're gonna they're gonna bring all this stuff up, and, and the the jury's gonna be like, what? So it's a no-win situation when you try to use those patriot arguments in court. And he used he he used ones the stuff that he was bringing up the stuff I never even had heard of. I mean, wow. So I say this as an example for um, my listeners. If you're contemplating doing this, I would highly discourage you from going that route. I've never seen it end well when you go that route. Regardless of how right you may be or think you are. You know, you go into a U.S. court jurisdiction and you got to play by their rules. They have a rubber ruler. They stretch it any way they want. And even if you're right, they're not going to let you get the upper hand on them. And that goes with the IRS or even the court system. Um, and that's pretty much my take on it. I Obviously, nothing's changed as far as I want to see this man out of prison. And, and I, I just gave you all the information on what you can do further and to pray if you feel so led to fast about it. And um, um, But as, as far as that goes, I just wanted to kind of give you an update there on this. And so now then we, we're going to segue into, into the next report. This just came out last night. And it, this is a contrast of, you know, you have poor Ken Hovind in jail for, you know, 100 months. And, and he's in a 7 by 9 cell in lockdown 23 hours out of the day. And they also know that he wants to expose the, the prison system and the court system. And he's written all these books. And he's gotten, like, two more doctorates since he's been in there and, and some other degree. And, and, and they know that... See, the problem is, is he's telegraphing all of his punches. And he's basically saying what he wants to do. So now they're saying, oh, really? Okay, well, we're going to put you in lockdown 23 hours of the day. We're going to put you in isolation. Basically, it sounds like, he's to me, he's an ad seg which is administrative segregation in a seven by nine cell with a with a sleeping on the floor with a bunk mate in lockdown 23 hours out of the day. They're wanting to make sure it's as little. So this is why I don't feel all warm and fuzzy about, oh, well, he got off on three of the four counts. Yeah, but the one has an unlimited sen sentencing potential. He's already 62. It's not like, you know, I mean, they, they give him a 30 year sentence or whatever, or, you know, and, 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 you know, want to keep him in there, he's probably never going to see the light of day. Or who knows, 100-year sentence. I've heard that bantered around. So that's up to this wicked judge, Casey. Um, so that's something that you want to, um, want to think about there. Judge Rogers, yeah. Judge Casey Rogers? Judge Rogers, yeah. Okay, so... Anyway, that's something that you want to uh, kind of bear in mind there. And to contrast this, then we've got this just broken CNN last night. Minister, I, I kind of added a little bit to this title. Minister for Satan, Creflo, give me a dollar, dollar, asks for $60 million in donations for a new jet. Creflo dollars, hoping a few folks will see fit to bless him. The minister, known for being a prosperity preacher in the Atlanta area World Changers Church International, is seeking 200,000 people committed to sow $300 or more to help achieve our goal to purchase a G650 airplane. The figures were presented Friday in a nearly six-minute video on the Creflo Give Me a Dollar Mini Ministries website. 
In total, more than 60 million needed to buy the Gulfstream G650, which goes for reported 65 million. Okay, so here's a picture of this thing I got in the PDF. The Gulfstream G6, G650 can fly eight passengers and four crew members, some 8,000 miles at a cruising speed of Mach 0.85, according to specs posted on Gulfstream.com. The jet comes with two Rolls-Royce engines, high-speed internet, and two multi-channel satellites, and allows for a two-and-a-half-hour commute from New York to Los Angeles. The G650 is the biggest fastest, most luxurious, longest range, and most technologically advanced jet by far, according to Gulfstream.com, where the plane sold. So it's not like he's asking, you know, for some, you know, dual prop airplane. No, he's asking for the biggest, fastest, most luxurious, longest range, most technologically advanced jet yet. Creflo, give me a dollar, dollar. The Gulfstream 6 G650 would comfortably allow the ministry to make its way around the world. Oh, that's what they said in a statement. Um, comfortably, yeah. Comfortably should be really emphasized there. The project isn't limited to member donations, as the site states, that we are asking members, partners, and supporters of this ministry to assist us in acquiring the Gulfstream uh, G650. The request goes on a detail that the luxury jet will transport Creflo Dollar and Taffy Dollar and members, uh, I guess that's his wife, Taffy. Is it Saltwater Taffy or just Taffy? Anyway, um, and members of Dollar's Church around the globe to help them spread the gospel. Oh, I'm sure that they are spreading the gospel. The prosperity gospel that they spread is a theology that promises wealth and health to those that tie 10% of their income to the church. His teachings include name it and claim it, uh, the um, gospel of the material prosperity. Spiritual prosperity is also rarely mentioned, meaning spiritual prosperity. All that really matters is material prosperity in the name and claim it. Um, prosperity gospel of Creflo Dollar. He also teaches that humans are gods. He also denies the divinity of Jesus Christ, but lifts up man as divine. Now, if you don't believe that, I give you a link here where you can click on it and hear it out of his own mouth. I just don't want to get into that today. But the video includes parishioners, a pilot, a project manager, and even the president of Liberia, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, advocating on behalf of the pastor for them to get this $60 million Gulfstream jet. Even the pastor Liberia is begging his listeners. Hmm, I wonder what he did to get that endorsement. And soliciting the donations, Dollar site states, quote, we need your help to continue to reach a lost and dying world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Your love gift of any amount will be greatly appreciated. Attempts to contact Dollar's ministry for the comment were unsuccessful. I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to give a lengthy interview on this. But this is the kind of evil, satanic garbage that you have going on in the so-called church of America. To a huge, large extent. I mean, this isn't just an isolated... There's, there's 
thousands of these devils out there pilfering and um, fleecing the flock. And it just seems as though there's so many in the body of Christ that are just more than willing to just fork over whatever money they got to, to wolves in sheep's clothing to devils and charlatans like this devil. It's just unbelievable. And it really strikes and smacks of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I mean, if, if you're... If you're in that mindset and, and, and you're giving money to this devil and you can't see through this charlatan and there's not ever a point where God ever leads you out of this. I mean, listen, I came out of the charismatic movement. I get it. But I mean, if you just stay someplace and you never ever get shown and you think that you're, that's a scary place to be because you're literally taking pleasure in unrighteousness and it appears as though you are blinded. I'm not saying everybody in this church is unsaved, but there's a pretty high likelihood that the vast majority of them are because they're being, I mean, if the blind lead at the blind, they're both going to fall into a ditch. And I mean, there's thousands of these devils out there. I mean, misleading, deceiving, and laughing all the way to the bank. Most of these guys aren't just greedy. They're Satanists. They are closet Satanist, I'll bet, but they are Satanists or some high-level occultists that have been pre-positioned there by Satan in order to dupe the body of Christ or any Christians that would follow this, this devil. And he's just one of many. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty fat, stat, sad state of affairs when, when this is the case here. Um, let's get into the next report. FCC rules designed to stifle internet political speech. On Thursday, the Federal Communications Commission made a public a document detailing its so-called net neutrality rules, which were approved two weeks ago on a three to two vote. A PDF version of the document can be downloaded here. This is the b big thing that they came out with. They said, but we're not gonna release it right yet. We'll release it in 24 hours. And they never, they took their sweet time releasing it. The rules impose heavy regulations on what is currently a free and open internet and will ultimately result in federal government micromanagement. Th this will be the death of ministries like this. This is the start of it. Um, any kind of alternative media, it's, it's all gonna eventually end up being shut down. It will have to get into where they're controlling every single thing, Big Brother. Okay, so this is really the beginning of that. How long it takes to implement and, and get teeth? Well, you know, the Lord can intervene, but this is, this is the start. The rules will accelerate and finalize a long-term government objective of censoring political enemies and limiting their use of the internet. Serious political opposition to the establishment has flourished on the internet and the federal government has stumbled in previous efforts to regulate speech it considers politically threatening. Every one of my broadcasts would be considered that pretty much. Control of the internet is the primary motivation behind the FCC rulemaking agenda. Not net neutrality and the fallacious call to regulate corporations and enforce the principle that all data is equal. The desire to assert that control became obvious uh, in February 2014 when the FCC terminated a study that threatened the First Amendment right uh, to freedom of the press. 
The study on the critical information needs would have asked journalists about their news philosophy and raised the specter of an underhanded attempt to revive the fairness doctrine. The commission's decision to adopt President Obama's plan marks a monumental shift toward government control of the internet. It gives the FCC the power to micromanage virtually every aspect of how the internet works. It's an overreach that will let a Washington bureaucracy and not the American people decide the future of the online world. The entire rubric of cyber espionage and cybersecurity is designed for state control over the individual, not for protection from anonymous uh, and hackers in China or Russia, anonymous being the one organization that posts all that information online. In fact, the drastically overblown and often fictional threat of cybersecurity is engineered specifically to curtail free speech from political opposition to the state. Recently, refurbished cybersecurity legislation, having failed to become law in the recent past, is now being dusted off in congressional committees. Once enacted, cybersecurity measures will run concurrent to FCC rules and will impose a matrix of control over the internet. So that's, I think, when it's really going to start having teeth is when that, the cybersecurity legislation, combines now with the FCC who controls the internet. That's when it's going to impose a matrix of control over the internet. Obama and the federal government have bent over backwards to betray net neutrality as a win for the little guy. In fact, despite all the siren warnings about socialism and the FCC by Obama's opponents, the agency is in the pocket of the telecommunications industry and has always been. Its current appointed boss, Tom Wheeler, is a former lobbyist for cable and wireless industry with positions including president of the National Cable and Telecommunications Association and the CEO of the Cellular Telecommunications and Internet Association. Net neutrality is a classic Trojan horse. It will be used not only to censor speech and marginalize opposition to the political class, but it will also deliver the Internet to large and forever consolidating media corporations. As the NSA and the behavior of the corporations in league with the intelligence community revealed, the internet will, after the FCC rules take hold and cybersecurity laws are implemented, finally be sanitized of meaningful political opposition and as well serve as a surveillance platform and a tool for corporate advisors to categorize and target individuals. Unfortunately, that's the future of the internet, and it was really kind of just a matter of time before Big Brother fully uh, started this in earnest. So it's, you know, it's just a matter of time for basically all alternative media and even, I would say, media that's going to come against the left, uh, the New World Order, that, you know, that really super evil malevolent agenda you know so that that's pretty much uh what we got going on there so i'm gonna go ahead and end this part here um the next part i don't think i can get get it in in time so i'm gonna end part one here and we will go to part two next god bless you Scott Johnson's 900 plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G for F-O-R truth, T 
T-R-U-T-H.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 3730 North, Highway 16, Suite Number 211, Denver, North Carolina, 28037. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.